0: Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome to the house of the Lord for worship. We are so delighted to be with you this morning as we come before our Lord to open his word, to bring him glory and praise together. Thank you for being with us this morning. If you're joining us online, a special Welcome to you from wherever the Lord has you today. We want you to feel connected to what God is doing in this community, in this place, no matter where you are or what your circumstances are today. So I encourage you to take part in that chat. Make a profile so that we know that you're here. We want to be connected to you. We also have online hosts who are available for you all throughout the service to answer your questions And would love to pray with you. So take advantage of those opportunities as we go throughout the service this morning. Well, I would love to invite you now to stand in body or in spirit for our call to worship this morning. Which comes from Psalm 136. And we're actually going to do a call and response this morning. So for this verse, I will read the first line of each verse. And then together, we'll read the second line that says, His steadfast love endures forever. So let's read this passage together from Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him, who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's lift our voices to our God who is good.
1: good
2: your mercy and do it forever. Lord, you are good and
3: your mercy and do it forever. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good and your mercy. Walking in freedom for God so loved, God
1: so loved the world. So praise God, praise God, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Bye.
3: Save us for oh, God so loved the world that He gave us in one and all. His Son to save us whoever lives.
1: is waiting God so loved the world Amen.
2: Isaiah 49 Sing for joy O heavens and exalt O earth. Break forth O mountains into singing for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion His afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. (laughs) Can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget. Yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands." Amen. Uh... The moon and star.
0: Before the Lord together in prayer. Father, that is our proclamation this morning that great is thy faithfulness, and it is also our prayer that you would remind us of this truth that you are a faithful God. We thank you that you are the same yesterday and today and tomorrow that you are unchanging. That no matter what is happening around us or in us, you are the same and you are good. You are reliable and trustworthy. And so when we look at our life or we look at the world around us and we feel unsteady or unsure, we can look to you. We can look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith and we can know great is thy faithfulness. All I have needed thy hand has provided. Father, I thank you for each heart each person in this room the story that you are telling in their life that has brought them to this place today that has allowed them to find us online we're from wherever they are you know our stories you know what has brought us here and you know what work you have to accomplish in us and through us you know where we need to be encouraged you know where we need to be energized where we need to be convicted and challenged you know where we just need to be reminded that you are real And you are present and you are moving. Holy Spirit, will you give us an awareness that you're here, that you're real, that you're good, that you have something for us today. Father, we need you. Spirit, we rely on you. Every moment of this is for naught. If you are not here moving and doing your work. And so we submit our time to you. We submit ourselves to you. And we ask that you will do a mighty work in us and through us in this time. Will you open our hearts to receive you, to see you moving clearly, and to be transformed in this place today, that we might go from here, knowing who you are a little bit more clearly and who we are in you, that we might reflect your goodness to this world around us that so desperately needs to see Jesus in us. Father, we love you. All of this is for you. And it's in Christ's matchless name that we pray. Amen. And you may be seated.
4: Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that you are with us today. We're glad you're well, and we're glad you're here. It's so good to be with you today. We have a special celebration day. We get to celebrate a baptism service, and I absolutely love baptism services. Baptism services are an opportunity for us to publicly confess our faith in Christ. They, they are representative and reflective of life change and spiritual growth. It's an opportunity for us as a church to be able to celebrate The work that God is doing in and through our local body of Christ, and so they are really um, exciting at this time. I'd like to invite uh, Bob and Jane uh, Deemer to come out. Uh, They are going to be uh, get baptized this morning, and I just wanted to uh, to let you know. If you just make just a little bit further this way, I just want to let you know uh, what a personal encouragement uh, that both of you have been to me and to our church family. I know you've been attending here since. February. <laughs> and so True. you're, yeah, so you're about, Fe- about beginning in February, into February? In February. Yeah, into yeah. February. And so uh, you guys came in and uh, you, you're looking around, you're getting connected, uh, you've met some people, and uh, you're looking forward to experiencing spiritual growth. And I tell you, from a pastoral perspective and a church perspective, that's just exciting. <laughs> and so uh, we are so grateful to be able to celebrate um, this day with you. I Thank know you, you came through a uh, starting point. Uh, about a month ago, yep. And uh, we had an opportunity to talk about baptism. I know you both have made faith commitments when you were younger. Uh, Bob, I think you were. I was 14. 14 years old, and, and uh, have been a Christian my whole life that I can remember. Yeah. Uh, we did uh, attend the church in Crystal Lake for several years, and the church uh, due to some unfortunate circumstances with the pastor's right. family, the church. Uh, Folded. Right. And then we spent two years watching church on TV. <laughs> so February came around and it seemed like a uh, seemed like a, a good point to start a renewal of yeah. our of our faith. And, and to get on, connected again. Watching church on T V is it's got a place for it, but there's nothing like being together in person. Absolutely not.
3: Absolutely not.
4: <laughs> yeah, well I know you guys came in, you jumped into starting point. You made a faith commitment when you were fourteen. I know we had an opportunity to talk about baptism and different ways that people are baptized. And I think uh, for you, as you think about baptism today, I think you talked about it from the perspective, it's really a step of obedience. It is. Yeah, it is. Uh, I had never belonged to a church where we had done uh, immersive baptism Mm -hmm. before. So this will be a a great experience for me and I hope a a renewal of of, uh, my faith. Yeah, outstanding. I know it's fun when you look through scripture. Every christian in scripture got baptized and they all got baptized by going into the water and coming out of the water and so it was really fun just to be able to look through what the bible teaches about baptism and i really am grateful for your desire just to be obedient um, to take the step in that way and jane i know that you were younger when you made a faith commitment as well and so uh you made a faith commitment when you were younger and and you've been married to this guy for how long
3: it'll be 50 years 50 month, years <laughs> so, a long time wow so. uh.
4: Congratulations on that. <laughs> I know Bob's a pilot too, so I'm sure you got a lot of stories about what all that looked like. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> and I know you have raised uh, four wonderful children, and so uh, yes. you've been investing in us. You made a faith commitment when you were younger, and you've had a walk with Christ for some time, and just like Bob when we were talking about baptism, uh, it was really encouraging to be able to look at what the Bible teaches about baptism. So what does baptism for you mean today? You're getting baptized today. So what does that mean for you?
3: Um, well, it means I'm... My sins are being washed away by the blood of Christ.
4: Yeah, that's what we're celebrating. So I'm
3: very happy to do this.
4: Yeah, Paul talks about baptism when we go under the water and come up out of the water. It's reflective of our being uh, washed and made clean. It's not a forgiveness of sins or what Christ accomplished for us on the cross, but this is an important step in terms of how we publicly confess and identify with him. And so we're looking forward to uh, celebrating this day with you. What are you looking forward to uh, coming off of your baptism?
3: Well, I'm just looking forward to walking each day with my Lord and Savior, and talking to Him. And uh, I'm just so grateful for all he's, all he's done for me, every good thing I have. Amen. It's because of God. Amen. Jesus Christ.
4: We're so grateful to be able to come alongside of you and encourage you uh, on your spiritual growth and on your spiritual pathway. And we're looking forward to all that God has for you here when we uh, get you baptized. <laughs> all right. All right, Bob, you want to go first? Sure. All right. Good job. That's a warm minute. You have to come out of there now. Don't get too comfortable. Okay. <laughs> Bob, have you uh, come to the point that you understand and believe that Jesus Christ is God? I have. That he died on the cross for your sins? He you did. Is right. it your? Is it your desire to make him the Lord of your life yes, and to follow him until the day that he calls you home? Yes, it is. Bob, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> All right, <brother. laughs> All right. All right. Good job. Hey, congratulations, my friend. Is that better than flying? <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> Flying's fun too. <laughs> All right, Jane. Nice work. Turn, sit. All right, Jane. Have you come to understand your need for a relationship with Christ? Yes, I have. You believe that Jesus is God and that He died on the cross for your sins? I do. Is it your desire to make Him your Lord and follow Him until He calls you home? did. Jane, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. (laughs) You did it. Good job. (laughs) Thank you. Outstanding. Thank you. Well, I just want to encourage you that uh, if you have any questions about baptism or about what it means to have a relationship with Christ, uh, we would love the opportunity um, to talk more with you. We'll be scheduling our next baptism service uh, soon. In fact, I know Pastor Matt is in the middle of some conversations with some students now. Uh, Next Sunday is Student Sunday, and I believe he's got uh, some kids that he's talking about um, that are getting baptized. But baptism is an opportunity for us to publicly confess our faith in Christ. It's an opportunity to identify with him uh, and and to be baptized in a way that Jesus modeled for us uh, through Scripture. So if you have any questions about that, um, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you. You can visit our app or our website. Uh, springbrook.org slash baptism and uh, we would love the opportunity to help you get connected and take that step on your spiritual journey. And If you're watching with us online, um, you can uh, just make a comment in the uh, chat box or on our, our website and uh, we'll connect with you um, as well. But we're so glad that you were here with us to celebrate this special day. Hey, we are uh, glad that you're with us. If you are watching with us online, um, there's a link for you to click uh, to click an online connection card. And so you can let us know that you are here. If you're visiting with us in person this morning, uh, you've got that connection card that's in your seat. You can take that out. Uh, If you're a first or second time guest with us, we want to extend a special welcome to you. Uh, You can share with us as much information as you feel comfortable sharing. If you're a regular attender, uh, be sure to fill that out as well. And then there's a box at the back. Uh, You can turn that in on the way out. But uh, thanks for being with us this morning. Want to let you know our VBS is coming up. We've got uh, VBS right now. We have, uh, it's about 60% full uh, capacity-wise, and so if you've got children you have not yet registered, you want to make sure to get them registered quickly, and then uh, if you have friends or family, maybe neighbors that you want to invite, you can do that as well. This is a great opportunity for kids to come together to celebrate and learn about God in an age-appropriate way, and they're going to have a blast. It's a great opportunity for us as a church to connect with new families in our community, so I want to encourage you to be praying uh, for our BBS as we move um, towards June. If you are new to Springbrook, and you're looking for an opportunity to learn a little bit more about our ministry, you want to get better connected, we have a starting point workshop that's going to be coming up on uh, May 25th. And so uh, you can register for that by going to uh, springbrook.org slash connect. Or if you're on our app, there's a place for you to register for that um, as well. If you haven't downloaded our app yet, I really want to encourage you to do that. We have had uh, over 100 downloads in the last... Uh, 45, 60 days, and so we're getting some good engagement there. There's a lot of great information on there. You can register events, and it's just really, it's designed to help us to help our congregation stay um, connected to one another. So you can just text Springbrook app to 77977, and it'll show up um, right on your device. I also want to just take a moment to thank you for uh, the way that you have uh, financially supported the work of our ministry that has enabled us Um, To minister to our congregation and and invest in uh, discipleship, it's enabled us to effectively reach our community for Christ. Uh, We're part of a movement of churches that's reaching communities for Christ globally, domestically, uh, to the very ends of the earth. And so I just want to thank you for those that have signed up, especially for the automated giving. I know a lot of times people are traveling during the summer. Summer months are typically difficult, um, but we just want to let you know how much we appreciate your supporting the work that God is doing here uh, at Springbrook. We are uh, continuing our series called Journey of Faith, and it's a series through um, the book of Hebrews, and uh, we are on a journey together for the next several weeks. We started at Easter. We're journeying together through Hebrews as we focus on the supremacy of Christ in our lives, but this is a journey that we are on together so I just want to invite you for a moment to, uh, to, to lift your arms up like this. Just kind of make some chicken wings. Everybody do this. If you're watching online, I want you to do it as well. Now hold them up there for a second. You know, because being on a journey together sometimes is a little bit awkward, right? And it's tiring. <laughs> I had an opportunity to go on vacation uh, last week. The week before last, we took a drive to Florida. We were in the car for 20 hours together on the way down and 20 hours on the way back. We were journeying together. And so I want to invite you for a moment just to think about what it would mean for your arms to be connected to the person next to you. What does it mean for us to be connected together and on a a journey together? Being on a journey together is locking arms. It's being intentional and moving forward together. When your arms are locked together, one can't move without the other. And so being on a journey together is reflective of moving together, just like we were trapped in that car for 40 hours round trip. We were together. There was nobody getting out. <laughs> well, they could have got out, but they would have to find a road right home. When you're on a journey together, it, it, you're, you're together, and it, it looks like something, and there's, and there's growth. And sometimes journeys are short. You can take short journeys. You can take long journeys. Uh, I am on a 60-year uh, journey. Next month, June 3rd, I'm turning 60 years old. So for 60 years, I've been on a journey. And uh, I feel like that's a confession for some reason. <laughs> I'm serious. I think that is the first time I've ever just said my age, 60. I don't know why I've struggled with that. I, uh, I got younger kids. I've got my grandkids are younger. My kids are young. And, you know, I, I hang around Matt and Bethany. And, you know, I know they're younger than me. But, you know, it doesn't seem like that too much younger. But they are. They're really younger. And so, uh, you know, it's just it's funny because uh, when you're in your 20s, you don't even think about being on a journey. I mean, you've got all of your life to look forward to. If you're under 20, you don't even think about it at all. But it just seems like if we're in our 20s, it's just time just doesn't have any concept of journey. And when you get to your, being in your 30s and 40s, well, by then you're thinking about marriage and a house, maybe cars and a job. And that 30s and 40s, it's just, you know, you're just trying to get through life, right? You're not really thinking a lot about a journey. So maybe you're in your 30s or 40s today, and you're thinking, "Man, it just took it took everything I could do to turn that TV on to watch online." Or it takes everything, you, especially when you're watching online. It's hard because you have to focus, and you know it takes a lot to come together. And so, 30s or 40s, you know. But when you get in your 50s and your 60s, you know, it's about that time that you start thinking, "You know, that's a long time. <laughs> that's a long time." I keep forgetting how old I am. You know, I just, I, I just, uh, I feel like everybody around me. I feel like we're all the same age. I've got some older gentlemen. Uh, that are mentors of mine, that speak into my life. And when you get into your 70s, between 70 and 100, trust me, you're thinking about journey. And you're thinking about what's next, right? And so, but when you're younger, you typically don't think that way. But we are all on a journey of faith together. And it doesn't matter how old you are. Whether you're under 20, 20, 30, 40, 90, whatever your age are, we're locked arms and we're moving through Hebrews and we're looking at the supremacy of Christ in our lives. When we started this series through Hebrews, we looked at the fact that Jesus is God, Jesus is the Word, Jesus died for our sins, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and Jesus is supreme in our lives. You know, Tim showed us that a relationship with Christ is not just a single event, but it's a lifestyle. Living our relationship with Christ out is not just an event, it's a lifestyle. It changes us and who we are. And then Pastor Matt looked at it, the importance of finding our rest in him. He looked at the importance of you know, experiencing God's grace and, and mercy. And so we've seen that Christ is supreme and that that's ultimately where we're able to find our rest and able to experience the fullness of God's mercy and grace. Today we're going to see that in Christ we have the full assurance of hope. Hope is something that we all desperately need. I know I need hope. <laughs> in Hebrews 6, after warning us uh, that it's possible for people who have had an amazing religious experience to still be far from God, Paul writes this in verses 9 and 10. He says, though we speak in this way, though we understand that there are people that have had these religious experiences that can still be far from God, he's, he's telling them on, on, on the risk of the warning that, we, that if we're not secure in who we are in Christ, then when we're not in Christ, And so he's warning us about the religious experiences. And he said, though we speak this way, yet in your case, beloved, in your case, we feel sure of better things, better things that belong to salvation. For God is not an unjust God as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you all still do. And so the assurance and the security of our hope is found in the work and the love of serving God and serving others, both from our past, as we have shown, but not just in the past, but that we are still doing. You see, the security of our hope lies in the fact that God is at work. He's been been faithful in our past. He's faithful in our present. And as we serve him and love him and love others, it brings us hope. You know, in our continued love and serving God and others in the present, as we're still doing, this is where we find hope. In verse 11, uh, Paul would say this, we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, that same earnestness that you have been showing, the earnestness that you're showing today. We encourage you to to show that same earnestness that you have so you can experience the full assurance of hope until the very end. What you've been doing what you're con- doing now, continue to do so that you can experience the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you might not be sluggish, but rather would be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Our security is knowing that through Christ when he returns, we're going to spend eternity in heaven with him. Or if we go before he returns and we stand in his presence through Christ, we're in his presence. Without a relationship with Christ, we we don't have those assurances. And so, as we live out our faith, as we serve God in serving others, our hope lies in the certainty of who we are in Christ. With that same earnestness that you have been living out your faith, we desire for you to continue living that way until the very end so that you can have the full assurance of hope. We're going to talk about that full assurance of hope this morning. But when we speak of hope, it's not typically the full assurance type of hope that's being referenced here. When we talk about hope, it's usually wishfulness. It's kind of just something that we are wishful for. You know, we usually are expressing a desire for something that's better in the future. Man, I, I hope this gets better. I hope that uh, church gets done early so I can, I can get to the lake and have more time water skiing. Now, not that any of you are thinking that way. You know, that's the way I used to think before I had a relationship with Christ. It's like there was something better waiting for me. And so I always hoped, hey, I, I hope this gets done so I can get to the lake sooner. And so a lot of times we put our hope in the future in a sense that we're it's just wishful thinking. Sometimes when we speak about hope, it's a reference to something better in the future than we're experiencing now. But then sometimes our desire or our wishful thinking is for something that is better in the present. You know, sometimes we hope for things that would be better in the present. You know, for example, it's like that, Powerball, that, that uh, Powerball jackpot, I think is up to like $83 million. It's like, wow, I, I hope my winning ticket wins because I'd sure like to have that $83 million today, I need that money today. I'll start honoring God with my finances when I get that money today. And so we're constantly wishing for more today. And, and you know, no, I'm sure nobody here is thinking that way. But typically, when we think about hope, we're typically thinking about a desire for something better in the future than we're experiencing today. Or we're hoping for something better in the present as we think about our current circumstances. We usually think about hope with regard to something that is better in the future or the present, and it's wishful thinking. But in Hebrews chapter 6, Paul is pointing us to a different type of hope. It's not wishful thinking hope. He points us to the full assurance of hope that is confident. It's a confident desire and an expectation for the future. The full assurance of hope is a confident desire and an expectation of the future. My hope is in Christ, and my hope is that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. I'm expecting that. It's not wishful thinking. And so when we talk about do you have a relationship with Christ, and somebody says, if I, when I ask people, are you going to spend eternity in Christ? Well, I think so. That's wishful thinking. If you are secure in who you are in Christ, it is a hope that is filled with confidence and has an expectation that it's actually going to happen. That's full assurance of hope. The full assurance of hope is a, of a future reality that is rooted in and is based on our faith in Christ. I know it's going to happen because Jesus promised it. I know it's going to happen because I find it in Scripture. I have not experienced it yet, but it's rooted in the reality of who Christ is and the promises of God. The full assurance of hope is directly correlated to our serving God and serving others as we live out our faith. And so there's a difference between the full assurance of hope and the wishful hope that we would experience otherwise. Paul uses the word full assurance one other time in our Hebrews. In Hebrews 10, he says, let us draw near with a true heart, In full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And so that full assurance of faith, that full assurance of hope comes from understanding the reality of who we are in Christ. As we serve Him and we serve others and experience our relationship with Christ. And I want to talk for a moment about how our hope and our faith are related to how we serve God and serve others. Because you see, this is where the rubber hits the road. You see, our hope grows, our faith grows, our hope and our faith are both secure as we reflect on and put into practice and apply what we know to be true and find in Scripture our hope grows and our faith grows as we put into practice and apply what we know to be true and what we find in Scripture at the end of chapter 5 Paul has been teaching about Jesus he's been teaching about who Jesus is he says this we have much to say I know it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. You know, there's a sense that, you know, we've been saying this over and over and over. These are difficult sayings, and, and, but you guys are getting hard of, of hearing, and you become hard of hearing. But, but by this time, you, you should not only be hearing it and understanding it, but you should be teaching others to do it as well. We have much to say. It's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing, for though by this time, you ought to be teachers, but instead you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and and not solid food. You see, there's a sense that the hope in our faith grows as we internalize, apply, and start to live out what we know to be true. And then as we start to help others to be able to do the same. It doesn't do any good to fill our heads with knowledge if we're not going to experience the reality of what that looks like and what that means for us and when we do that it's like Paul's warning you know you become dull of hearing how many times do do we have to tell you this I was sitting at the dinner table um, last week I was home last week and uh, catching up and uh, we were at the uh, dinner table and I had my grandson Silas on my lap he's nine months old and uh, he still eats a bottle and every once in a while he's starting to eat solid food now so you know I'll put a little piece of macaroni in his mouth or put some cornbread in his mouth and he'll play with it but uh, he was still drinking a bottle. And he reached over and he grabbed my plate. He pulls it to him. and he grabs this big piece of chicken and shoves it in his mouth before I got to him. <laughs> Those little guys, they're quick. <laughs> so he had my plate. He had the chicken in his mouth. And so I'm sitting there watching him thinking, well, we'll see what he does with it. And a couple of seconds later, he starts going, <coughs> starts choking on it, right? So I had to you know, dig it out. Sorry, Mom. Yep, Natalie's watching. But you know, it was interesting because he needed milk. But, and, but he, he wants the, the solid food, but he wasn't yet ready ready for it. You know, it's okay for Silas to be drinking out of a bottle right now because he's only nine months old. Let me ask you this. If he's five years old and he's 10 months old and he's still drinking out of a bottle, is that okay? There's something different. There's there's something going on, right? I mean, as we grow in our faith, at some point we need to start eating and, and chewing our food. You know, there are people that I have been talking to about Jesus for way too long. I mean, seriously, Jesus Jesus is God. Jesus came to earth. He died on the cross for our sins. And and it's through our placing our faith in that and confessing Him as Lord and Savior and asking Him to come into our life that we are saved. That's the simple truth of it. If you've been at Springbrook for any time, you would have heard that. And for some people, I've been telling that year after year after year, but they're still not doing anything with it. They have become dull of hearing. It just it's like it's words that just Oh, here he goes again. You know, at, at some point, we, you, you need to embrace the truth about who Jesus is. And you need to make a faith commitment. You know, there is no one in this room that has not heard about the name of Jesus. No one. And I would venture to say that there is no one in our community that has not heard about the name of Jesus. How much information is needed before someone makes a decision to place their faith in Christ? Seriously. He rose from the grave. He proved he he was he he proved everything that he said about himself was true when he overcame death on the cross and he ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. We have witnesses. We celebrated that at Easter. And still yet today there are people that reject that truth and that need to embrace it. You know, making a faith commitment is a step of growth. And as you cross that line of faith. Your faith increases, and guess what else? Your hope increases. You know where you're going. Your life's different. If, you're, if, you're, if your hope and your faith are going to grow, it starts by understanding our need for a relationship with Christ. There's a lot of people walking around that they're just doomsday. There's, there's no hope. It's because they're rejecting Christ. Our hope is in who we are in Christ. You know, there's a lot of people have questions about baptism. As you read through Scripture, we've talked about baptism, <laughs> I'm still in conversations with people about baptism. There are no, zero, unbaptized Christians in Scripture. None. Every single faith commitment that gets made in the New Testament, they make a faith commitment, they get baptized. Make a faith commitment, get baptized. Preach to the house, they're in the whole household here, they believe, they get baptized. Peter stands up, tells people about Christ, 3,000 people get baptized. Faith commitment, baptism. There are no unbaptized Christians that you find in Scripture. None. It's an evidence of having a relationship with Christ. And when you read through Scripture, do you know what you find? Every single person gets baptized by immersion. They go down into the water. They come up out of the water. Jesus went down into the Jordan. He came up out of the water. Make faith commitments with uh, Peter and the uh, Ethiopian eunuch makes a faith commitment, they start looking for a body of water. They stop and they go down into the water and Peter gets baptized. We do baptism through immersion at Springbrook because that is what scripture models for us. And so that's just a reality. And so there's people that have heard that, they know it, but you you just need to take a step to do it. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, today is the day. Make a faith commitment. If you haven't been baptized, make a decision today to get baptized. You know, we are members of one another. Paul says that we're connected together. This journey thing, it's not just a tagline. When I talk about the fact that we are on a journey together, I'm serious. We are in this together. <laughs> I mean, this is going to rise or fall based on where we are and based on our faithfulness and what God's doing in us. And Paul says you are members of one another. So we encourage people to become members of Springbrook. It's a commitment that we're making to people to invest in them spiritually to help them grow. And it's a commitment that they're making to be a part of using their gifts and allowing God to work through them as God grows his church. Faith commitments, baptism, membership. You know, small groups are important. You know, when all those people made faith commitments in the Bible, you know the first thing they did? They sold everything. They held everything in common. They broke bread together. They met in the temple courts. They, they went from house to house continuing to study and apply Scripture together. Small groups are important. And so, you know, every believer has a spiritual gift. If you're a believer, you have a spiritual gift for serving others, for serving God. When you use your spiritual gift, you're you're putting into practice something that you know to be true, and you're able to be blessed. You see others be blessed because of it. Your faith grows, your hope grows, as, as you step out in obedience and utilize your spiritual gift. And you start serving or start sharing your faith. If you're a Christ follower, you are a witness. You don't have to have all the evangelism, you don't have to have all the lingo down. Every person that has a relationship with Christ is a witness. You have the ability to share with others what Christ has done in your life. It's your faith story, it's, it's your testimony. You know, you can you can teach others at any point. So regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, the goal Is growth. The goal is not comparing yourselves to other people. The goal is is to step back and think, where am I and what's my next step? And as I experience growth, I start to experience the full assurance of hope. The full assurance of hope is recognized when we understand who we are in Christ and we start living out and putting into practice those things that we know to be true. Do you know who the best people are to talk about, have or have a relationship with Christ. Somebody that just made a relationship with Christ, somebody that makes a faith commitment, they are the most excited about sharing their faith than, than many people that have been believers for fifty years. You know why? It's new, it's fresh. They don't need to know anything. Make a faith commitment and by that time start teaching others what you know to be true. You know, as you grow in your faith, your goal is not to just get deeper and deeper in your faith. Your goal is to be equipped so that you can have an influence on the people around you. When we kicked off this year, 2022. We invited everybody at Springbrook to join us for an encounter that we would all experience more of the power and presence of Christ in their life. The power and presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. We're on a journey together. Everything that we do is a journey We're on a journey of faith through Hebrews. We're on a journey together through the year. We are locked together as God is working in and through this local body of Christ to accomplish what he has for us here in our community, in our region, to the very ends of the earth. And on Easter, we had an opportunity to hear from Rachel Tarlack, who got an opportunity to share with her what that first chair growth has looked like. It was exciting to hear her share about how God has been working in her life as she's starting to take steps towards devotion and reading the Bible. We have 100 people. That signed up for this this encounter series. And if you've been through, if you're in there now, if you're one of the hundred people and you're thinking, man, this is just not working for me, let me know. You know, if you don't like the book that you're reading, I'll help you find another one. If you're not quite sure what your devotional life needs to look like, or you're not sure what Bible you're supposed to be reading, let me know. A hundred people have signed up for our encounter series, and I'm praying that in reality, they would actually experience the Holy Spirit and so if you're stuck in that, if you signed up and you're stuck in that, please let me know how I can help you. Because God is bigger than that. You should not be stuck. And if you're new to Springbrook and you've never heard about Encounter, you can sign up for that today. You can use this QR code. You can go to our website, you know, at, at our app. Um, at any point during the year, uh, we want people to be able to come in and get connected and experience what God has for us. This is not just something we were doing in January. And next January, we're going to do something different. I mean, this is the DNA of the culture of our church. We want people to experience spiritual growth. That's what we're here for. We want people to grow in their faith. We want them to be able to grow in their assurance of hope, to grow in their assurance of faith so they can accomplish all that God has for them. At the end of chapter 5, Paul said solid food is for the mature, for those who have their power of discernment that have been trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Solid food is connected to application. It's connected to being trained. It is connected to putting things into practice. Solid food, going deep, meat and potatoes, Christian maturity, growing in faith and hope, all of that comes from putting what you know into practice. If you're going deep and it's not resulting in any life change, then guess what? You're not going deep. Our lives should be changed. They should be, there should be some change in and then, us. And then we need to be helping others as well. That's what Paul encouraged them. You know, you've been listening and studying this for years, and by this time, you should be helping others to do the same. And so if in our depth and our growth, we're not influencing the body of Christ, if we're not influencing the people around us, then there's a disconnect because you can't go deep. You can't experience the solid food without the training and putting into practice those things that you know are true. The application is just as important as the knowledge. So we can look at John three sixteen. Everybody knows that God loves the world and gave his uh, only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish. But how many people does that change the relationships of the people around him? Without Christ, no one comes to the Father. That's a simple passage we can memorize, but does it influence the conversations that we have with the people around us? The application is critically important to being able to digest the solid food. Your body's got to do something with it. Beginning in chapter six, um, Paul writes, uh, writes this in verse one, "Therefore let us, have the, let us leave let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. And go on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from the dead. Works of faith towards God and of instructions about washings. The laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Verse 3. We will do this if God permits. In other words, we're going to continue teaching the basics of the faith as long as we need to. But for those that don't get it. Or for those that are rejected in verse 8. Verse 8. If it's like thorns and thistles, it's worthless, and it's near to being cursed, and in the end, it is going to be burned. In other words, we keep talking about the basics of the faith, at the end of the day, they're responsible for what they're going to do with it. If they reject or they're just not getting it, they're not hearing it, they're not doing something with them, then the outcome is not good. It kind of goes back to those four soils that, that Luke talks about in Luke 8. There's some seed falls on the path, you know, there's no growth at all. Some of the seed falls in the rocky soil, and there's a little bit of growth. And that that seed is the Word of God, and and how people respond to it is reflective of what the soil looks like. And then there's some that falls into the thorns and and the thistles, and it gets choked out. You think they're believers, but at the end of the day, life chokes it out, and they, they don't persevere to the end. That's just as bad as somebody that rejects Christ outright. You know, it, they get choked out by life. And that's what, that's what uh, Paul's writing in Hebrews, you know, in, in, in chapter 6. If, if you hear these things, if, keep, if we just keep saying the basics over and over and over and you're not getting it, it's, it's like good, good word that's gotten in bad soil, it's going to get choked out. And in the end, it's going to be burned. Good soil is where the seed grows, it produces, and it bears fruit. It comes back around. You see, when the word of God falls in good soil, the tree doesn't just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It starts to bear fruit. It falls off the tree. It dies. The seeds get planted, and it bears new trees. And so this good soil, the reproduction, is an expected outcome for what we learn It's not just about knowledge, but about the application and having it come back around and influencing people around us. And he says in verse 9, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. That kind of leads us back to verse 11. We desire each of you to show that same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but be imitators of those that who through faith and practice inherit these promises. You know, we are on a spiritual journey together. And my heart is for each of us that we would grow in faith, that we would grow in hope. But in order for that to happen, we must be moving forward. We've got to be experiencing growth together. Each of you has a uh, spiritual journey guide on your chair. I'm going to invite you to, uh, to take that out for a moment and then open it up. On the inside, there's some areas that can just kind of help you to think about, where am I? <laughs> right? I don't know where you are. It's been my experience that when most people think about their spiritual journey, they've really never thought about, where am I and where am I going? But I want to invite you just to take a moment to see if you can find yourself in maybe one of these categories. We go through this in our Starting Point Workshop. This is a resource that we've been using at Springberg for quite some time. And if you're online with us this morning and you'd like us to mail you a copy of this, um, you can just in the comment section uh, give us your name, say, hey, can you please mail me one of these? Um, but I want to encourage you to take a moment to think about where you are. I, I don't think there's anybody here this morning that's not interested. If you were not interested in spiritual things, you're not going to be here. <laughs> if you're not interested in spiritual things, you're out there. There's very rarely anybody that comes walking into a church that just says, hey, man, leave me alone. Sometimes people are seeking. They're curious. They come into church. They check things out. They're not quite sure. Sometimes people come in. There's something going on in their life. And they want to know. They're looking for answers. And, they're, and there's, they're, they're seeking assertively. And then there's a point at which we cross that line of faith and we place our faith in Christ And we trust him. and So there's a difference between being somebody that's seeking and somebody that's following. It's a difference between having a relationship with Christ and not. It's a difference between knowing where I'm going to spend eternity and not. And so the person crosses that line of faith. They make a faith commitment. They identify with Christ through baptism. They begin to explore growing in their faith. They get connected in relationship with others. They start experiencing new life. They start growing in community and serving one another. So then they start living missionally. And so I want to just ask you, where do you see yourself? And where would you like to be? On the back side of that, there's a little place, there's four questions. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? What's standing between you and that point? And then number four, what can we do to help you to take that next step? You know, we want people to experience the fullness of hope. We want people to experience these things. We want people to be confident of what's going to happen in the future. The full assurance of hope is its a confident desire and an expectation of the future. It's not saying, I think, I wish, or maybe. There's a confident desire and an expectation for what God has for you in the future. A full assurance of hope is a, is a reality that is rooted in and based on our faith in Christ. And it's directly correlated to our serving God and others as we grow in and we live out our faith. And so I'm on a spiritual journey guide. If you just want to take a moment, you can, uh, if you want to put your name on it or put your email on it, uh, you can drop it in the basket in the back and we'll pick those up. And uh, I will personally call you next week. We'll get you connected to somebody here at Springbrook and we'll, we'll start you on a journey that you can start to experience the fullness of hope that God provides through Christ. We're not going through wishes or maybes or thinking there's an assurance that we can have about the work that God is doing in our lives. We're not, we're, not, we're not bound to what's happening in our lives circumstantially. I want to leave you with this passage from Psalm 42. In Psalm 42, it says this, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. My soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears, my tears have been my food day and night. I'm going through a difficult time. I'm going through a struggle. My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throne and and lead them in procession to the house of God. And you go into uh, verse five, he says this, Why are you cast down my soul? And why are you in turmoil? Why are you letting your circumstances dictate how you're feeling? Hope in God. Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The psalmist is reflecting on his circumstances. And how if he lets them, they'll pull him away from what God has for him. They'll they'll steal and rob his joy and rob his hope. And he reminds himself of who God is and God's steadfast love for him. He says, "I'm going to hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God." And the psalm goes on to talk about where true hope lies. Our hope lies in who we are in Christ. In my head. Uh, this past week, as I was kind of reflecting, I was <laughs> lost. You know, as I was reflecting on this passage, I was thinking through where our hope lies. My, uh, my wife, uh, and I didn't talk with her before sharing this, I was trying to figure out how to put this in. Uh, There's a cancer survivor. She just passed her five-year mark last Monday, and so I was praising God for that. She went into uh, a chemo treatment with a 50% survival rate and a 70% chance of it returning, and and uh, so we lived from, you know, year to year just waiting to see how it was going to turn out. And uh, at the same time, we had some good friends of ours, Rich and uh, Marilyn Demire, and uh, she was diagnosed with cancer at the same time that uh, Carolyn was. And so they were going to, through chemo together, and um, they were going to the same doctor, and so they were praying with, some praying with one another. And, and, um, and Marilyn did not survive. And so, and, you know, through that process of just kind of grieving and thinking about, how do you pray in the midst of that? Where is your hope? Is it that future hope that says, I've got this situation. I'm, I'm going to pray for the future. I hope God takes this away from me. Or is it a sense that, well, I've got this. I hope this goes away. The hope that we grow up with is wishful thinking. It's, it's, it, there's uncertainty to it. But when you're able to step back and say, no matter what, how this turns out, my hope is in who I am in Christ. Hope moves beyond our circumstances. Karen uh, Kabaki had an opportunity to share her faith story, where God was working in her life as her husband Chris went through cancer as well. And he did not survive that, and he's with our, our Lord today. And so um, you know, Karen had an opportunity to, uh, Karen had an opportunity to share that. And um, you know I'm surrounded by these circumstances in life, and, and all I can do when somebody brings to me their concerns. Um, All I can do when somebody is going through a struggle, I, I can't take it away. But what I can say is that the assurance of our hope is rooted in our identity of who we are in Christ. And so I don't know what you're going through today, but you need to know that your hope does not lie in its circumstances. It lies in who you are in Christ. And as you live out your faith, as you're obedient, as you put into practice those things that you know to be true, and as you take steps towards maturity, that God will meet you there, your faith will grow, and your hope will grow. And so as we continue to move through this year, as we continue to move through this series through Hebrews, you know, I pray that you're able to experience the joy of who we are together as we grow in faith. We are in a journey of faith together through Hebrews, and I'm praying that it will change our lives as we experience the fullness of who we are in Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you uh, for this day you've given us today. And um, I just thank you for that hope that we do have that moves us beyond our circumstances. (laughs) And uh, I know there are people today that are going through some significant life challenges with their health, with their jobs, uh, with the loss of loved ones. And um, God, we know um, that this life is, is temporary. This world is not our home. I am so grateful. Uh, For the hope that we have in Christ, God, pray that you would continue to grow us in our faith. Uh, For those that have a relationship with Christ, God, I pray that you would use us to share that with others. God, that others would be drawn uh, to you, you know, through us. Uh, For those that have questions about our relationship with Christ or experiencing uh, the fullness of that hope and faith that we have, I pray that you would help them to be able to cross that line of faith that they may be able to experience the joy that comes from knowing that Christ is our anchor. God, he is our cornerstone. God, help us to keep our eyes focused on him. Uh, We lift this day up to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Let's stand one more time together in body or in spirit and respond to this word we've received from the Lord together this morning. the
1: shore and steady air. Shall never be
3: removed.
1: Christ the sure and steady anchor, while the tempest rages on. When temptation gleams the battle, and it seems it has steady anchor through the floods of unbelief. Hopeless somehow, oh my soul, now lift your eyes to Calvary. down there.
0: want to thank you so much for worshiping with us here at springbrook today i pray now that you would go in faith and in steadfast assurance of the lord's love for you go in faith to love and serve the lord have a blessed blessed week in him and we will see you next sunday